Hi, my name is Yahav, and I was born and raised as an Israeli and as a Zionist. During the past few years, I've gone through a process of questioning the narrative I grew up with regarding this land we live in and the people living on it. This podcast is about voices of the disillusioned. Each episode is a one-on-one heartfelt conversation with an activist who supports the Palestinian struggle, telling the story of the journey that led them to see through what they were taught. Each of these people has their own unique path that I believe anyone can learn from. Whether you're a Palestinian or a Jew living here or abroad, or just anyone who feels strongly about this subject. I hope you learn as much as I learn from them about how to build a better future for all people between the river and the sea. Rita, now in her 30s, immigrated from Ukraine with her family when she was an infant. While struggling to assimilate as a teenager living in the city of Beersheva, she was introduced to some different ideas about the world than the ones she was used to hearing. This led her to decide not to serve in the military, even though the law requires it. At 17, without knowing anyone else who had done this at the time, she was scared but determined. We met in an activist chapter in our college and have been good friends ever since. Today, she works with youth at risk and does her best to model for them how to stick to your own truth no matter what. Before we start, it's important to note that we recorded this episode almost a year ago before the Russian invasion on Ukraine, so take that into account while listening. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Rita. Hi, Av. How are you? I'm good. Tell me, like, where are we? We are in Enayala, um, which was in Razal in the past, in before 48. It's a little village on very close to the beach, not far from Haifa, south, uh, like 20 kilometers from Haifa. Uh, yes, I'm living here now. Did you grow up here? No. I was born in Ukraine, in, uh, in half of the island Krim, Crimea. And uh, I grew up in Beersheva most of my life. A lot of like colonialist shit happening over there as well. Yes. Like everywhere is. you go, there's colonialism. I was really thinking <laughs> about this the last years, that it's happening everywhere all the time. Yeah. You... came here when you were how old? I was around two years old, two, maybe three. And your family immigrated from what is today Ukraine to Israel? What is today Russia? It was the Soviet Union, and then it became Ukraine, Russia, Moldova, all this. And so when I was born, it was Ukraine. It was Ukraine most of my life. We still have a house there. And nobody's living there because my family uh, doesn't want to be Russian. So they left the house. The house is just standing there. And they moved to Kiev. And we moved 
to Israel a long time ago. But so your extended family is living in Kiev? Yes. Because of all that situation and they left their house and, and you and your parents and your brother, you came to Be'er Sheva. Yes. Tell me a little bit about how your family fit in here in the whole story. So I guess it's, it was not easy. It's still not easy for them. Um, my mother doesn't speak really good Hebrew till now. My father does speak Hebrew, but still, like, they're very Soviet. They came um, in the early 90s in the wave yeah. of immigration from the yeah, Soviet... like the se- second wave of the immigration. And uh, you, you can really tell. When you meet them, you can really tell that they're very Soviet. <laughs> Yes, I, I've met your mother. She's very <laughs> Soviet, yes. Yeah, so it was, I think it was hard for them very much. They tried uh, different kinds of programs. They were in the kibbutz, in the moshav. They were trying to get in to live in the kibbutz in the south, but uh, they didn't accept them. And they were uh, picking uh, tomatoes in uh, Kadesh Barnea, uh, Also in, the, in south. the south, yeah, it was like a program of the Sochnotayudit, the Jewish agency. Yeah, so I I can't remember this. I was too too young, too little. But uh, I remember already Bersheva. In, in some in some uh, like after some time, they understood that they just want to to find a place, and they settled down in Bersheva and. My mother lives in this house till now. And so they had a lot of like immigration um, difficulties regarding work and language. And, you yeah. know, they, they still kind of don't fit in all the way. Yeah. And did you feel this when you were growing up? So much, yeah. My mother, when she was in Ukraine, she was an accountant And when she came to Israel, so it was really hard for her, the language and everything, and they had to to work to have money. So she had to leave the the Ulpan. It's like the place where you learn Hebrew and and not to finish it to go to work in a factory. And actually, till these days she works in this factory. Can I say shitty factory? <laughs> she yeah. works in this shitty factory we're all about the truth here like yeah. don't hide anything don't make anything look prettier than what no it is PC, okay. no PC <laughs> <laughs> so she works in this shitty factory uh, which is really bad for for her uh, health because there is like chemical stuff there and it's like a little Russian ghetto there because, because all the other employees are also Russian 95% They are all Russians. They like doctors or like different kinds of... of uh, like originally when they were... With, yeah. Where yeah, they came yeah. from, there were doctors and professionals. And then they came here and they became, you know, laborers in a, yeah. in a factory. They're all academic. Yeah. So when you were growing up, you were growing up in a neighborhood with a lot of immigrants from the Soviet Union, but also a lot of um, Jews that were already living here. who were from Arab countries. Mm. Mizrahim, we call them. Yeah. So how is that uh, combination? Mostly I felt it at school. So there were the Russians. It doesn't matter that I was not from Russia. It's always the Russians. Yeah, we call them all Russians. Everybody's Russians. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how people 
talk here. Yeah. Um, and and the, the other people, <laughs> for me, this is what I saw in, in my eyes. Like for your child. experience as with your, you and your family and your Russian friends, there was like us, the Russians, and then there's everyone else. Yeah. And everyone else is what? Um, they're they're the Israelis? They're the real Israelis? They are they are Israelis. Yeah, they are like tzabarim. They were born here. Yeah, they they are like native more than I am because I was not born in Israel. And um, many things. It's like uh, it's the cor- the culture. It's you you can you can feel it. You know it because of Shabbat. If you if you know what, like what what is what what is Shabbat to you do. Um, they were more like uh, traditionally Jewish with the yeah, customs. They were, they were talking about the, the, the red fish that they eat in <laughs> Shabbat or like the f- big families. They have big amount of people in the family like Russians, Russians, you know, <laughs> and they're usually it's like small. Smaller families. Yeah. yeah, it's like me and my brother, my mother. And my, it's, it's very, very small. And it, it took me a long time to understand this. Took the differences? No, to understand why and how and like why why we don't have this Jewish culture. I didn't know this uh, before. And what did you learn later on? I learned that there is a lot of an- anti-Semitism. In, in the Soviet Union? Yeah. I, not only anti-Semitism, but also once the communism was ruling... Basically, religion was forbidden. Yeah, so they had to hide to, to, to make any holiday or like to celebrate anything Jewish. And they could not say even that they are Jewish. Or So my mother grew up with this. Like there is one story that uh, my mother tells me. Like, for example, she could not go to the university because of her last name. Like, because she, she had a Jewish last name. Yeah. She came to the university. She had very good grades. She was she was good at school, but she came, and then the the woman told her, uh, "With this with this uh, last name, you could not even bother to come here. You shouldn't have even come. Yeah, to sign up. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like stones that people were were throwing on their house and and just uh, telling them they're like you're Jewish and stuff like this." So then when the Soviet Union fell, a lot of the Jews wanted to come to Israel in the 90s because they finally could, because before that period, nobody was allowed out. This is, I'm just clarifying yeah. for the people who are listening who, who are not very familiar with this. So there was a wave of immigrants. Uh, how many? There's, uh, today there's over a million, right? Yeah, I think two there's, million. There's over a million Almost for sure million, yeah. of Immigrants from former Soviet Union in Israel. What's very ironic is that according to the law that says that they can immigrate to Israel, it's called the law of return. They are, they are considered Jews. But then when they came here, they encountered all these laws that claim that they're not actually officially Jewish and that they need to convert to Judaism. They need to actually go through a process, like an official process of conversion, do a course. And so a lot of the former Soviet Union immigrants in Israel till today have a lot of 
problems and, and go through a lot of discrimination, even though they came here under the title of like, we are Jewish. And then now they're being told you're not, you're not Jewish enough or you're not Jewish according to the laws here. Yeah. And it really controls people's lives. Like they can't get married. They can't do a lot of things because of this. You mostly feel it when you want to get married in Israel. And, and when you, you come from these countries. So there, there are problems that are happening to you. They, they want your mother and your grandmother. And they want everybody to come and to show papers. And who have these papers? Maybe some people have. Some people don't have. Because it was also the war. Many things are. have changed a lot like people change their names change the place that they live many things happen and they, they really want to see that you are Jewish or maybe you're also not Jewish but in Israel if you're not Jewish you cannot get married so if you're not considered Jewish and you want to marry a Jew then also that's a different problem um, I want to ask you a little bit about your childhood and and a little bit about like you as a teenager you growing up in Beersheva as like a rebel? So when I was a teenager, uh, in the beginning, I, I, started, I studied in one school for two years. And it was a religious school that was uh, in this religious school. In every grade, there were like three classes that was only Russians. Wow. It was, it's called uh, like... Um, scientific class and it was you were studying like until five in the evening and it was a lot of hours and it was also religious I had to go with skirts and to pray every morning even though your home wasn't like no, religious nobody's home there was <laughs> because everybody were Russians <laughs> nobody knew anything like even if I had a Uh, if I had the, 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 the feeling that maybe there is God and maybe the, the Bible is maybe 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 <laughs> something so there completely uh, it failed <laughs> like they, they failed it, it didn't school. work for you no 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 it was it was <laughs> terrible because we were really and after two years there I understood that I cannot do it it's not possible I started already I started not to go to school and A lot of mass and I didn't fit in and then I decided to to change my school to another school it was ninth grade and this school was very different and there I met different kind of people and there were like a lot of people there that were listening to metal and we call we call them freaks <laughs> in Israel you were the freaks you were the you we were the freaks <laughs> and we and actually I I started to to get to know all this community all this bunch like huge bunch of people in Bersheva that we were like uh, outcasts yeah we were just not in the mainstream but we were kind of already a mainstream because we were so many I didn't know about them it was like find the others like you found the others that you realized were like you but were different than everyone else yeah Yeah, and it came with with the music and and how you look and how you talk and what you do um, and we were meeting every every evening in a place in Bersheva like very much in the center very far from my home like I was always on buses and stuff and the guitars and this kind of stuff and then I met a friend 
I, I had new friends in my new school and then I met a friend and she told me, okay, there is this, there is this thing that we're going to Germany, sign up also, just go for it, sign up. So I signed up for this. You didn't know what it was about? I was not sure. I knew that it's like a, a student exchange. But I didn't, I didn't really, I was like, okay, Germany, yeah, I want to go to Germany, okay, sign up. <laughs> I was like 15. <laughs> so, so I signed up for this. And then uh, you had to pick someone who you're going to exchange with. And because I was the last one who signed up, there was like one girl left. <laughs> I think she was 19. She was like, I was 15, she was 19. <laughs> she was like in the last year of her studies in Germany. In a place called Coburg <laughs> or something like this and what happened that in in the she came to Israel for 10 days and she stayed in my home and then I I went to Germany for 10 days and I stayed in her home and we did it as a group but everybody stays in different homes mm -hmm. and this girl she actually was a big reason of my change because um uh, It was the first time that I met someone like her. Like before I met her, I was completely, okay, I'm going to the army. I'm going to fight Arabs, this fucking Arabs, you know, all this. Oh, that's what you thought. That's what I thought. This yeah. is this is the atmosphere in school and this is the things that you hear around at, you. At school, at home, at everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I didn't think there is something else I didn't know even one person who was different from this I totally grew up with this um, so when I met her okay she was vegetarian <laughs> that was also very very weird for me and she was like when she was in Israel I didn't really get get to understand everything I just knew that she was vegetarian and we were talking a bit and we got close but then when I went to her home in Germany that looked completely different from my <laughs> tiny little home of my mother's that I <laughs> wow that was that was a thing like I came to her home and it was like a palace <laughs> it was amazing um, so I met her there and then I saw her and her friends and I was spending time with them and I remember one time we were like going in the streets and uh, would hold the group and we were like okay we're going to the McDonald's because you have this like one dollar and you get a little burger so we like <laughs> we were buying like two three of this and that was our lunch and she was like I'm not stepping in this place I'm not going inside and I remember we were like what what the fuck you know what is what does she want what is it all about like why is she doing all this and one time she told me listen tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up very early uh, around like seven I want to go to school because tomorrow the army is coming to the school and they want to convince people to to recruit people yeah the German army and she was Okay, I'm going tomorrow and I'm going to lie down on the on the on the road that they cannot go in. Wow, she's 19. She's 19. Wow. And and if you want to come with me. And I was like, <laughs> do you want to come and lie on the road with me and protest? <laughs> and I was like, hmm, really? That's okay. Yeah, let's 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 do this. <laughs> 
You're in an adventurous mode being yeah. away from home. Let's yeah. try it out. Yeah, everything, everything. Like she, she, she gave a, a new perspective to me, to the 15 years old me. Many things I could not see or, or experience in Be'er Sheva. Um, so we, we didn't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't wake up and we didn't lie on the, on the, on the ground. And, and yeah, so the army came. Um, but, but it opened my mind. It opened my mind. And before I left Germany, she told me, just open YouTube and watch, watch about the meat industry. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, all right. And then actually, like, one day when I was at home and I was bored, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I opened this YouTube, maybe I <laughs> like, and I wrote, and I wrote on YouTube, what is meat, or I don't know, something that I could say when I was 15. <laughs> and, and then I saw these terrible things uh, about the meat industry. This is like 2006, right? Like so long ago. This is like the beginning of like YouTube in, in Israel. Like exactly 15 years ago. Yeah. So you yeah. watched it? So I watched it and I was like, oh my God. I didn't believe it. I, w I was in shock. I, I like I know that meat is a cow or an animal, but I never saw it. I never, I never experienced it. I never saw the look in their eyes or like, wow, to see them screaming and this. And for 15 years old, I was like, I was shocked. I was shocked. I felt like everybody lied to me all my life. It was like, how can it be? But on the packages of things... You can see like these happy cows. They are walking on green grass and they look so nice. And in these videos, it's so bad. And I got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in this. You and went down the rabbit hole. Wow, this is a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, was, I was just, I, I could not, I didn't know how to, to realize this thing. And everything started to fall apart and inside of me and I could not eat meat anymore remember it started that I could not eat like a chicken like in the form of chicken and I could eat it only like when it doesn't look like like the nuggets yeah the like the, the animal it has to be like and then very very fast I could not also eat this I think my mother didn't speak to me for really long. Like, she was so mad at me. Like, my Soviet mother, she could not believe that I'm getting crazy for her. I was like, what the hell is going on with my daughter? <laughs> She's losing it completely. Wow, what does she think today? <laughs> <laughs> today? <laughs> oh, she, well, she had time to well, get used you, to it. You have to make a podcast only about this. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's a whole podcast that yeah, we should do on that. Yeah, but now she's just like, okay, this is my daughter. This this is what it is. I will <laughs> never understand everything. What is she doing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but now she's, yeah, she's like this. So you started with like the the vegetarian and ve like animal rights activism when you were in high school and and then what happened? 
So it started with the animals, but then it went just to to human rights and compassion. I think it just went to the to the road to the compassion road, you know, and mm. I was like, "Oh, wait, there is so many things that we're not compassionate about, yeah, and like nobody's talking about this, and there's it's not fair what's going on in this world, and I didn't know about this and this and this, yeah, it's like a, a domino effect, like once you realize that you were lied about about one thing, then you're more susceptible to realize that there's other things that you were lied about too. And yeah. you're like less trusting towards the system, and then you 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 double check things that you're told like more and more completely you, eventually you got to the point where you started reading about um the Palestinians, yeah, I would not say that I was reading a lot about the Palestinians. It was still not very easy for me to to reach this, but i did i I understood that. I don't want to hold weapon. I don't want to use weapon. I, I don't, yeah, I just don't want to be part of so many things that are happening and are so like mainstream and nobody's asking anything about it. So it was just about like a universal resistance to violence of any sort and using force as a military force. To any people like it it wasn't about like us and them, and I'm a Jew and they're Palestinian like it was just I don't want to hold a gun anything okay, it was completely about everything about like Africa and Israel and uh, what's going on here and everything animals and everything it was I was just shocked <laughs> I was like okay, I'm just quitting I'm just quitting, just quitting everything <laughs> I'm just quitting every actually i I want to say that I, it was a time that I became very, very depressed. I was depressed for years, this like since I was like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I was so depressed i i I could not understand like where what am i do I belong here or why everybody is doing this and when I talk to people or about these things, and they look at me and they say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, this is what's happening. you're right, but they they don't change anything." And I, I was getting crazy. I was like, but how, how, how can you just continue to live just like this? And I became, like I had a lot of anger. And I also felt not just, I'm not, I don't know where I belong. Uh, and it made me very sad because where I grew up, I had a lot of friends. And I, I, I loved my friends and... Uh, There were, there were amazing people around me and they knew everything, what I feel and what, what, what it is, but they, they, they thought differently and it, it was fine, you know, it was fine, but also I, I felt very weird. Like that out of place, no matter where you are, yeah. because, because you saw people not like knowing about the horrible things happening around them and just. being silent about it and just telling me this is life this is how it is you just have to accept what do you want to do okay so you're not gonna eat meat what do you think so they, they gonna stop the industry so you are not going to the army who's gonna protect you who is gonna save you we have to go to the army we have to they didn't like it was completely but they also loved me yeah because because I had this color. They, they loved this color. It was interesting. And hmm. I'm, uh, yeah, I also, 
Yeah, I make fun of, of, of this also. I like to make fun of this and not take it too seriously, but also I was very sad. Of that sad. time. <laughs> yeah. It's always funny to make fun of high school, no matter how much you suffered. Because <laughs> it's always, so, there's something ridiculous about the whole situation. Wow, definitely. Did you reach a point where you were like, I am not going to the army no matter what, and I'm going to do what I have to do to get out of it? Because, yeah. you know, it's the law, you have to go, so you're being recruited, and, and what do you, how do you realize, like, what you're going to do to dodge the yeah. service? Yeah, everything is like, when I think about it now, it's like, thank you for the internet, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could just be this <laughs> Russian girl <laughs> that they, they grew up in Dersheva. I would have like few children and work in this work that I'm, every morning I wake up and I go there and then I come back and I watch TV and then I go to sleep. And <laughs> that, that was supposed to be my future, I guess. <laughs> But because of the internet that I, that I could learn new things about the world i don't know if i'm thankful or i'm or i'm sad about this because sometimes i think about this also what is better like to know all this infinity or to to just or ignorance is bliss yes <laughs> you think you know the answer to yeah, that, but there is no answer to that actually no i think it's just it really is personal like everyone needs to just you know decide for themselves but i do know that i used to be ignorant And I used to be more blissful. And I also know that it's possible to be happy even when you know all of this shit. Yeah. This I know today. But let's go back to, uh, <laughs> to little 17-year-old Rita with her pink hair yeah. trying to convince the army. What happens is when you are in 11th grade, you start to get letters from army and they start to... to reach you out and like, okay, hey, army, who do you want to be? Wow, there is so many They options. They start summoning you to all these interviews and tests yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah, and it's like a thing because everybody's so excited about it and everybody's talking about all school. Did you get your Manila? Manila, it's like this thing that you get and you can like um, It's tell. like a questionnaire of all the jobs that you have that are open to you according to your scores. Yeah. And then you have to like rate them. what you want more it's funny because it's very similar to like college in the u.s like everybody's talking about it everybody's doing all the exams everybody's applying to different everybody's like you know it's a thing it's like i even see it if i look at it in a more cultural like sociological way it's an initiation process of young people all together going through this one experience and becoming adults through it And this is what it's about. It's, it's really the way of the Zionism. It's the Zionism project. This is how it built up. Since through the you, initiation of the army. Th- from, from like you're going to the, to the kindergarten until you go out from army and actually until the end of your life. But mostly all the... The school years. Yeah, when you're young and they build it in your head perfectly. Yeah, all the logic. Program. Yeah, and when you're not going in this program, so it becomes a problem, but we're going we're gonna to speak about this. <laughs> but your friends, all of your friends were like into this? 
most of my friends went to army um, but the ones who didn't most of them didn't go because they just like not from the same reasons that I didn't go it was just like they thought it's a waste of time or they wanted to go to study or they really had some issues like or health issues or mental, or mental issues, issues and they really didn't go to army because they could not so there were a few people who didn't go but it was not really the same uh, story they had their own story and usually it was more personal and less like global thing it was less about the opposing something less ideological but more yeah. just it was mostly not very ideological and you really were like I'm ideologically not going to yeah. be part of this yeah yeah it was it was a bit complicated um, yeah and I think also for guys it's much more it's harder than for girls for girls the, it, the it's, you can get it more easy they'll let you go easier yeah Uh, true but for guys they, they they really want you in especially if you're healthy and you know if you're abled yeah yeah, yeah so I had to research about it on the internet on the thank internet. you for the internet yeah on the internet <laughs> I was very confused and sad and I was I could not stop getting these letters from the army and then they started to I was ignoring and then I started to get red letters they like if you don't uh, come to this well I don't know like we're gonna come and pick you and you're gonna sit in jail or I don't know stuff like this I can't remember but I remember it was really scary and then I said okay I got like the the really final letter that I understood that if I'm not going to this meeting something's gonna happen they're gonna come here Um, but I ignored it a long time. And then I said, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. I will just come there. I was so naive. <laughs> I just come there and I'm going to tell them, hey, I don't want to go to army. Can you please uh, let me see the dad, the psychiatrist? Uh, and I said, yeah, I'm just going to talk to him. And I will tell him, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to um, shoot a gun. Um, and I don't really want to wear uniform. <laughs> that is so naive. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I'm telling you, I served in that place and people would come and say like, I need to see a psychiatrist because I'm not well. And you could see that they weren't well or they were putting on a show, but it, e- either way, it doesn't matter. And they were really looking like, you know, crazy. And we would still like not give them, we wouldn't let them yeah, see the psychiatrist. I think today, these days, it's a bit different. I'm pretty sure, but that days it was really strong like they really it was really hard to go out from from the army um so yeah, I was naive. I came there, I was talking to this girl, maybe it was you, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and I, she was asking me a lot of questions about my family and my life and this and that, and then I just told her, "Listen, I just want to see the psychiatrist. I want to talk to him, and she was like, "Why I said, "I don't want to tell you, I want to talk to him." And she was, "No, you need to tell me." And I was like, "No, I'm not going to tell you. I've you, had this conversation so many times. Eighteen <laughs> years old girl that is sitting with this uniform, and who who are you? Yeah. you know why, why do I need to talk to you? You're just like almost my age. So I, I was really trying, and she told me, and then she told me, "You're not going to tell me that you need the psychiatrist and to get it." 
I'm gonna decide if you're gonna get the psychiatrist. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean you're gonna decide? I'm asking you, like, give me give I'm telling me you, I'm not well. <laughs> I, need, I need to see the psychiatrist. And she was like, mm-hmm, okay. Okay, continue, okay. And yeah, wow. and then I had to do all these weird exams on the computer that I was like, enter, 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 enter. I didn't care about the answers, about anything. I was so sad. It's like an IQ, kind of like an IQ test. Yeah, and they, they check your body and you go to the doctor and you go to this. And it's like the, the whole day story that also when, if we're talking about Zionism program project, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can, like when you have this paper, you you allow to not to go to school. It's okay to miss school in this, oh. all these army days. Because like the, the schools are okay with you going to all these exams and interviews and stuff. Like if you're, it's true, I remember it from there when I was many. in high school. There, there are many of this. And you can show the letter that you get that's summoning you as like a... Um, You know you get exempt from going to school that day it's like legit yeah it's true yeah so yeah I just remember it was very traumatic for me I was almost crying all this time there maybe I also cried like alone like very <laughs> inside of my heart I was very <laughs> confused I was okay what's going on why nobody's listening to me and I don't want to go to this place and I got really angry and I said okay you're not going to Then we just see the psychiatrist. No problem. I'm going to find my way out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, such strong will. I, I, I would have been broken much earlier. Um, yeah, I will tell you later what, what, what I had like in my mind. So after I, I was there, after this happened, I went home and I was, I was like, okay, what, what, what the hell am I going to do? Like, what, what, what is it now? And I started to look on the internet and I saw that there is an option for girls that I can say that I'm religious and, and I, can, I don't have to go to army because of religion reasons. Like girls that go to a religious girls school in Israel are automatically exempt because the schools, they hand in the lists of the names And then those girls automatically get exempt. But if you don't go to a religious school, then you have to prove to them that you're religious. Yeah. So how do you do that? With your pink hair. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, good, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, and also, uh, they, they really scare you. So the rabbinical institution, they also were really scaring you, like, They were telling you we're gonna we, we you're signing here and we are allowed to come to your home anytime and to check your fridge and to check if you making kosher and and if you have all these things and we can like catch you and if we catch you it's gonna be very hard and you're gonna go to to the jail and because we, they're signing a document that that says that they're assuring that you really are religious so if you make it look like you they were lying for you, then they're gonna, they're gonna rat on you. Yeah. So they, they had this interview, they summoned you to this interview where they were gonna ask you some questions to see if you're actually knowledgeable about Judaism, right? Yeah, so in the beginning, actually, so after I, I, I left this place the first time that I came as I am and I wanted to see the, the psychiatrist, so I was very hopeless and I didn't know what to do and then I found out that there is this option of, the, of being religious. So after this, what happened that I, I 
I went to the religious court. I paid 41 shekels. I remember this. And I, I really got inside a court. It was really a court. Like there were like this rebbe's sitting on the top, like the judges. And I was standing on, on this, this thing, how you get the podium, little podium. And they look at me and they ask me these questions. And I was like, no, no, I'm religious. And also I had my pink hair. So <laughs> I pushed my hair in the hat and I weared a skirt. Um, and yeah, I was not very much looking religious, but... You were trying to play the game. They also, <laughs> don't, they don't want me to go to army. This rebbe's, they, yeah, really they don't in, care. They don't care, and they don't think that girls need to go to army because army it's not good for religion, like for girls, you know. It's they're they're very mixed, and like there are girls and boys in the army, and they, yeah, I need to wear short, like um, pants, and they're not big believers in the army or, or in any kind of like effort for it to be like an equalizer between classes or between genders. So they don't care about this. Yeah. Like for them. You don't want to go to the army? Okay, don't go to the army. Like, we'll, like, we'll sign this. Just, you know, go through our process. Yeah, so they scared, they scared the shit out of me. They, because of, because also how it looks like. It's like a real court. <laughs> and they're like, are you sure you're religious? I was like, yes. <laughs> are you sure? 100%. I was like, yes. If, if we come to your house, we're allowed to come. We're going to see if you're not religious. You're going right to jail. Da, 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 da. And, you know, it's me, little me, 17 years old. And I was like, yes, yes. It's, uh, and I had I, I played on this on this two years that I was in this religious school. Oh, you used I, the time when you were it. in I middle said, school. Yeah, I, would, I was in the religious school, but I had to leave because we moved. And I don't know, I told them a story. I can't remember what was the story. but Like you did were, have a little bit of a background, so you, you knew a few things to say yeah, like from se- middle school. Seven, eighth grade that I was yeah. in this re- the religious school that was also only the Russian class, but they don't know this. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> the Russian class. That's so screwed up. It's so screwed up to put to have classes according to your ethnicity, and also have the subjects that you study according to your ethnicity. Yeah. Like all the car mechanic classes were all definitely not Russian. They were all like Mizrahim. This is this is what's called in sociology tracking when yeah. you 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 have. You pave someone's road for them before they even grow up, just because they come from they have this last name or that last name. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's Bersheva fifteen years ago. I think now it's a bit better, but but it yeah, still has it. There's it, still a lot of that. Yeah. It was a lot of immigrants and it was a lot of things. Yeah. So, so yeah, after this, um, I right away I got this paper that I'm religious and I don't have to go to army. And I was so happy and I sent them the, in, in, in fax. <laughs> I sent them because <laughs> faxed I, them I the... faxed them because I didn't want to go there personally. I had to go there actually personally, but I told them, listen, I'm so sick. I can't. <laughs> and I faxed them this because I didn't want to see this terrible place again. But they they really wanted to see me <laughs> <laughs> so, to make sure that you're not lying yeah i was like okay i'm sending this paper and that's it's, that's all i'm gonna get i'm gonna get it that's all um, but it didn't happen because i got another letter from the army and they told me ah no now you have to come and we want because you've been in the first time the first time that they call you and the oldest that yeah. i said before 
um, and we didn't mention that you were religious, so you have to come here and you need to do a religious test. And I was like, what the fuck? What am you thought you were done. Do? I thought I'm done. I remember this day like it was yesterday. It was <laughs> raining outside. I had a boyfriend back then, by the way, and he was like, don't worry. We're going to get married. If you're going to get married, you mm. don't have to go to army. I don't that care. That was like the last resort. If yeah, you don't get this, last. we'll get married and then you don't have to go. We're just getting married. That's so sweet of him. That's, yeah. how, he, that's how he proposed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll so. get married so, so that you don't have to go to the army. That's love. Okay, so, so I, I, it was raining. I was going there in the middle of school. He met me. We went, we went together. He was waiting for me outside. I was with jeans, like, <laughs> like pants. Yeah. And on the pants that were wet anyway, I put the skirt <laughs> that got also wet. <laughs> and I had this pink hair. So I put all my hair in the hat. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking religious. It's fine. Yeah, so I have this jeans underneath. Yeah, so what? Oh, you my know? God. It's too so cold. I can't. I don't care. Like... And I don't know anything because, as I told you, uh, I, I'm I'm from from the Soviet background, and we don't like. You have didn't have a religious upbringing. Anything, yeah. anything. We're not even doing like Shabbat dinners, and we're not. I don't know anything about any holiday. It was completely outside of my life. But you did have a lot of people at school that you knew that were more like you. You. It was. It was around you, like the holidays. They taught us in school. They talked to us about... I didn't really know. You weren't listening. <laughs> I, I were not listening. I didn't really know. I didn't really understand it. I thought that, like, this years, I thought it's like bullshit. I don't know what, what is this. I don't want to know about this. And also, we were not practicing this at home at all. And most of my friends also were Russians. And uh, same, same mm -hmm. thing. So, it, yeah, we didn't have it. So when I came there, I saw all the other girls and they all look so religious. And when I asked them, they <laughs> tell me that they're from Netivot, which Netivot is like a, a very small town outside of and Bilsha. very religious town. Yeah. Um, like if you're from there, you're probably religious. Doesn't matter where, what school yeah. you're going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Most of the people there are religious and you really see them how they dress up and how I dressed up. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. You were like, they're not wearing costumes. <laughs> no, this is not a costume. They were like, like tight. <laughs> they were so tight. <laughs> and I was, I came there and I was like, hey, listen, what, what is going on inside? Can you, can you tell me what, what they ask you? What, what is it? What is it? And, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, wow, it's really hard. You know, even I am really religious, but they ask you like, what do you bless for a full cup of water? What do you bless on a half cup of water? <laughs> and, and I was like, holy crap, I'm done. You're busted. I'm done, okay? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And when we were talking, I was trying to, to get answers. Like, what, what are they asking? And then there were these soldiers that came and they were Walking like, by silence, <laughs> you don't talk. You stand there and you stand there. And I was like, fucking shit, what am I doing? And I called my boyfriend that is waiting for me outside. And, and, he, and I'm like, I think we need to get married. <laughs> like this. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, they call me inside. And this girl, she's asking me lots of questions that I really don't know how to answer. And most of my answer were, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I was just, I, I was, yeah, like, I didn't know what to say. And even when I answer a little thing, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know this. And then like, okay, and what, what does this mean? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> wow. So it was terrible. And then I said, okay, you, your last chance is to play on the feeling side. And I said, <laughs> and then in the end, I, I told her like, listen, I know that I didn't have the answers for all of the questions, but actually like, I, it's my mother, she just got religious now and it's so important for her and I, it's gonna break her heart if I'm gonna go to the army and I need to be with her and I don't know what else I said, but it was this kind of things. Um, like basically you're telling her my mother discovered, rediscovered Judaism and now she's become all observant and we're going through a process as a family and you know, this is what's going on. That's why I don't know anything, but like I, I can't go to the army. Something like this, yeah. I was telling her something like, I can't even remember, but I was like trying to talk to her heart. And I remember I was really looking at her eyes and I was like telling her, like inside of me, like I was screaming, please, I don't want to go to army, help me, help me. But actually I was saying another th another things. And when I went out, I was like, okay, if I get, uh, if I get this paper from army that I'm not going, like, everybody can do this you're saying if i got exempt anyone can get exempt anyone <laughs> anyone like really like it was so bad it's, I, yeah you're you're describing a really sloppy process of like trying to get out it was yeah it was so hard i thought it's gonna be more easy but i tried to do my best and that's what happened and i already thought like okay i'm going to jail Probably, or I will actually do this marriage thing, but I would probably go go to jail because my mother will not let me get married <laughs> <laughs> when I'm seventeen um yeah, so I was ready, I was ready, you were ready for it to get worse. I was ready for the jail, I was ready for like, yeah, you're lying to us, it's double jail, whatever I don't know, it was really bad this uh this years when you were trying to get out from army. Um, and after like two weeks, I got this paper and I was sitting, uh, opening the envelope and looking at this and I was in shock. It's like getting the letter that you got into Harvard University. Were you like jumping up and down screaming or something? I was crying. You were crying? Yeah, I was crying. I wow. was like, I was, I was shocked. I was shocked. I could not believe I was so happy and crying from happiness. And wow. also very, very afraid because I was very scary that they're going to check me a lot. And I, I, I was actually sure that they're going to they're gonna catch me. You thought that they could like withdraw this exemption at yeah. any point? Yeah, I felt like they, they're going to use this uh, power on me because I signed a few times that they can come also for the army and also from the... For the rabbinical institute yeah, that signed. I, I signed yeah. both of them that they can actually come and see my home and what I'm doing. And yeah, I'm very much not religious. So I was sure anytime. This is why I said that I was very careful. So maybe, maybe somebody called me on Shabbat, but I probably was... Like smart, not you wouldn't to answer, answer yeah. you know, unrecognized, numbers. unrecognized, and I was not answering. So you were just like living in fear, even after you got exempt. Yeah, I was. I was really afraid. Uh, 
a long time I was really afraid to and also like many people like if I it's not my friends and I don't really know them so I was not telling them like you couldn't trust people that you don't know too well to tell them the real story I was I was afraid I was a bit paranoid to do this I was telling this to people when I get a bit more connected to them but there were two reasons also because of this and also because people were really judging me even if it's like uh, I'm in a bar and it's Somebody like you're did. socializing and someone's yeah. asking like what did you do in the army and you're like I didn't do the army and they're like why not and you're like oh shit Now especially when you're this. 18 19 20 21 even 22 people are like they're not asking you if you are in the army they are asking you where are you in the army because <laughs> they're assuming that you're in yeah because everybody's in the army oh okay you're 20 so where are you in the army where are you serving it's like this what, is the question this is what everyone's doing yeah Yeah, that's the, uh, and it's yeah. true and you judge people if they say that they didn't go if they didn't have like a good enough reason and especially if like they lied their way out or something or they tricked their way out and the especially the people even if you don't believe in that 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 bad like I I remember when I was in the army I at that time I it's not like I believed that I was you know saving the Jewish people from you know everybody who wants to kill us it was more about like I I'm wasting two years of my life and giving my freedom away and wearing this stupid uniform every day and you're just free to do whatever you want like that's not fair it was a lot about like that kind of judgment yeah, there is there is a word in Hebrew it's called mishtamet yeah and I hate this word actually like, like a, it's a, it's literally translated I think as dropout like someone who or it's it's it means you Dodger someone that dodged the service yeah but when you say it in Hebrew so the connotation that you 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 have it in your body I think all the Israelis when you say you are mishtamet or mm-hmm. mishtamet it it's like wow it's a bad word it's so bad it's like so offensive yeah you could offense you can offense someone to tell him this word yeah mishtamet. even even if he did the army it's like it means it means a lot it's really inside the society yeah the language so yeah so all these years it was really hard for me to talk about it because still I didn't met a lot of people I already started to meet some people I also moved to Tel Aviv um, when I was 19 and then I started to meet some people who who understand me and like ah yeah I didn't go to the army also because of this and I was like seriously you're like there's <laughs> other people that didn't yeah yeah uh, so it really helps me to know that I'm not an alien So now you're, you're 19 years old and you're living in Tel Aviv. This is very young. Most of the people, when they're 19, they're in the army. And then, you know, they're, they're, they don't move to Tel Aviv in such a young age. So you're meeting people who are kind of, you know, more like-minded. And, and then what? So it, it all happened because, uh, because I decided to serve in the National Service. That's like an alternative to the army. You can yeah. serve volunteering somewhere. Yeah. So I, I choose to do this. Um, Why? Because you were feeling guilt that you didn't serve your country, so you had to do something instead? 
I I, I think the first uh, my first answer is because I was confused and I didn't know like how to what to what to do now all my friends are in army what do I supposed to do I don't really want to go to study now or I don't I don't I didn't know what to do and it's like you need some kind of a frame some program to be part of in that age and also I still had this Zionism program it still was inside of me very much I, I was programmed still on this thing that we all need to serve the country so even if you don't have to serve the country with a gun and with the, the militaristic way you still felt like you needed to serve the country in a different way I must say that these days even if the army could tell me you You're not okay you're not gonna use a gun I would probably go mm-hmm. to the army because I was very I think I was, I was confused I was afraid I didn't know I just knew that I cannot do this I cannot shut a gun like don't don't make me do this I, I can let's talk about it let's find the <laughs> middle but they didn't want to find the middle with me <laughs> and I'm happy for this um, because today you understand that it doesn't really matter. If you're going to serve with a gun or without today before this you before you told me like um that I was very brave with what I did but I actually for many years after when I like I don't know when I was already 25 or something like this so I started to think wow I had to tell to tell my truth that I was thinking that I, I escaped I was uh, I I didn't think that I was so brave like I You actually saw yourself for years as a coward for dodging the service. Yeah, because that's what people make you feel here. like you're you're selfish, you're you don't you know, you're lying your way out of you know serving your country and then you feel like you're a coward. Especially with myself, I was like, yeah, I had to be more brave and to to go and say, "Hey, I'm pacifist. I don't want to serve because of this." Mm, and then sit in jail. In yeah, and, and then sit in jail, and then it's going to be fair because I'm doing it like in the right way. That's, well, that's what I used to think when I was in the army, and a, a few years after, I, I used to think, you know, okay, I have respect for the people who come and they say, "I'm willing to pay the price." I'm willing to tell the truth. I'm not well, you know, I'm not going to serve in the army. Put me in jail, you know? That I can respect, but I, I, I didn't have respect for people who used, you know, lying and tricking and getting out in, you know, those ways. Today, <laughs> I think it's very brave, even if you need to lie to the system and you need to find your way out and not sit in jail. I think it's very brave, especially because of the period of few years ago Where you know you always have to prove yourself to the anyone around you, anyone who's asking you about who are you and what you're doing, you feel like you have to justify yourself, you know today I can see it differently, but uh, I had many years I was thinking, oh i why I didn't do this like this way, and I remember i was I was uh checking about it, and what was written that I need for this that i i have to, I have to go to court and I have to bring three people that's gonna testify for me that they know that I'm pacifist and to show why and how and when and like <laughs> teachers like to prove that you really are a pacifist in every yeah. way, yeah, and there the, are very few people that actually get this uh you know. Pull yeah. this off and when I when I saw it the I when I saw that the, the the amount of people that are 
trying to get it and the amount of people who get it, I, I understood that it's better for me as, as, a, as a female to do the, what I did. It's going to be much easier for me and it's much like I'm probably going to get it. Um, so this is why I decided to do this. But after a few years, I was like ideologically, I was like more um, centered and more settled and more understanding. It was not only I don't want to shoot a gun. So I understood more about the Palestinians and about the society and about Zionism and much more things get, got open to me. When did this happen? Slowly. Um, I understood it that after the national service, I, I was traveling for one year and I was meeting, I was traveling by myself and I was meeting a lot of people. Um, and I was 20 years old back then and all the people that I was meeting, most of them were not Israelis. And then they were always asking me, oh, so you served the military army? And I was like, ah, no. And then I was telling my story because for them I didn't care to tell them yeah they're not Israeli they're not going to judge you for it yeah and actually they were not judging me they were like wow <laughs> this is amazing wow you're so brave you're so and that and they opened my eyes for this and then they were talking to me about the Palestinians and of course I knew about the Palestinians but I didn't I didn't you know. didn't really know I, I didn't really know like I know today and I don't know but it's uh, it was it was a mystery for me because I didn't meet so many Palestinians, if at all, before that. Like when I was twenty, even after I I I didn't go to army, but I didn't really know the Palestinian so story. I just know that I just knew that I don't want to be part of it. You knew that there was like a war going on and people were dying, and you don't want to be part of it, but you also don't want to know about it. You were just like, I'm not part of that. Like, I'm not taking sides. I didn't, I didn't know that I don't know about it. Because this is how we grew up. Yeah. We don't know it, that we don't know about it. We know what we know. We know the Jewish story. We know the Israeli side story. And we learn very, very a bit about the Palestinian side from the Israeli perspective. Yeah, but nobody is teaching me um, about Palestinians. For me, Palestinian it was like a bad word. It was like what is for me it was a scary word. Scary word. But being or, Palestinian yeah. meant that you want to kill me. Just just by saying the word Palestinian, it means a bad person that hates me and wants to kill me. This is this is what the meaning of that word was. Yeah. For me, the meaning of this this word was even there is no such thing Palestinian. It's like well, who, who the fuck says he's Palestinian? There is no such thing. This person who says it, he doesn't understand history. <laughs> this is funny to to us now because we we understand that you know obviously you don't think that now. But what's sad is that there's so many Israelis that 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 think that. Yes, yeah, still. They, for them, it's a fact. It's not even about an opinion. It's like, this is what sure. they know. Yeah, until now. They're like, they, they have to realize this is Israel. This is not Palestine, and that's all. This is how they we grew up on this. Yeah. So once you came back from uh, traveling around the world, 
were you like into activism or you would just like forget about everything? I was in India. I just want to meditate. <laughs> I was in Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> I was in India. No, but you traveled after. in India. Yeah, but it ah, was afterwards. after. It yeah, was yeah. after, yeah. Um, and yeah, I started to study and it was interesting in the college for me because there were... I always wanted to do some things. I felt like, oh, what about this? What about this? Studying social work um, and human rights, um, everything. Everything became more accessible. In college, it's a bit different. Like People... You more, open your mind yeah. to more um, information, more you, ideas. You talk, you talk about different kinds of things, you know. In college, it was the first time that I heard about what happened with the people who came from Arab countries, the Jewish people who came from Arab countries and what, what Israel did with them. Yeah. For me, I didn't know about it. Me neither. I had At no, all. I had no idea. I didn't have this connection with with Palestinians. Yeah. I didn't really meet um, Palestinians. Until your like late 20s? Until my early 20s. Until And then what happened 20s. when you met Palestinians? Um, I think I was a bit like, wow, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, the stereotypes about Palestinians are being broken. Basically, because first time that I saw Palestinians, that I heard their, their story, actually, I think it was in the organization that we were. We had one conference and they bring like four Palestinians and they are telling their story. And their story was so hard. Like today I hear these stories all the time. Yeah, now you realize that this is the story of almost yeah. all the Palestinians. Yeah, but back then I was like, oh no. It was you had to carry your friend, your dead body friend through all the way to somewhere because there was no light and was not allowed to use the car. And, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. Is um, this when you started realizing what they mean when they say occupation? But think about how long it took me to expose myself to these stories. Because they make everything for you to not know. Yeah. They make everything to talk about, so much to talk about the Holocaust and the Iranian story. And I don't know, everything, everything, everything that's like we are the victim. And we're so much playing the victim, the Israelis when actually we're occupying so many people and we're using so much violence and so much power on these people. Um, and it's, it's very kind of complicated or they make it complicated in your head because, because all the trauma, we're just carrying this trauma with us and... We don't want to give it up. We don't want to give give up on this trauma. We just want to carry it with us and just Because talk. It's justifying what we're doing. Yeah, it's like no. Everybody wants to kill us. You need to understand. Since you are like four years old, they are telling you, 
everybody wants to kill you because you are Jewish. Only because of that. And this is your life. And you have to protect yourself all the time because they're going to try to kill you. They already tried. Look, look at the history. Go <laughs> back and see. They tried to kill you. They try. They're not talking about they tried to kill all the homosexuals and they don't talk about... All the black people. All the other holocausts. All the disabled people. Yeah, and all the other, all the other holocausts that are still happening. All yeah. the genocide, all the... Yeah, um, and, they, and you just grew up on this fear. And it's not that I'm denying the Holocaust. <laughs> I'm not denying all what happened. I just don't believe this is the way. I don't believe this is the way to live your life or to make any kind of connection with other nations or other people that are not in your religious and, and don't believe in the same things maybe, but you can live next to them. You can live together. But it's not possible to live together with these people when you are so scared that everybody wants to kill you all the time. And, you know, while I'm talking and I'm speaking this, I can hear the voices of Israelis are shouting at me different kinds of things. What do you hear? <laughs> I hear, like, you're a traitor and... and Like, what do you mean? What do you mean that we are the victim? Of course we are the victim. This is what happened. This is history. So many people killed. You know, like half of my family actually were, were killed in the, in, the, uh, in the Second World War. They, they were fighting and they, many of them died in the war. And I, all, all what I said about my mother and the, what happened back there. And I know about this. I really know about this, and I'm not denying, denying this, but I know the voices, and these voices are coming from being very scared about your life, and I really can understand this, and we really need to heal this trauma. Definitely. So your family, how do they deal with your uh, activism, with your opinions? Um, I was I was not telling them everything and when I when I did so they chose to deny they they didn't really because they they don't really fit in it sounds like they're very busy surviving for many years yeah yeah they so didn't this, this really is what they care cared about. about yeah they didn't really like my mother was like okay so do this so you want to do this okay just do something as a woman who was You know, working day and night to like support her family as an immigrant, and all she cared about was basically for you to be safe and to fit in and to just be okay this and and me not wanting to worry her, yeah. me wanting to also like be keep keep it uh, keep it quiet and because it's it's too much, so they didn't really support me, I would say I didn't got the support like I mean support not like. Um, they didn't support the idea. They were like, okay, you do your thing, but they were still here, but they didn't really talk to me so much about this or wanted to know more or they just, yeah. When were you able to say, like, I'm not a Zionist? Mm. Like out loud to people. I was not questioning this. 
I was not questioning it. I was like, okay, this is not fair. What's going with the Palestinians? This is weird. This is but I was not connected it directly to Zionism. And I think only in the last years I was I understood it more. I was like, what the fuck is Zionism? Seriously. Who bring it up? Like who You started why? researching? You started reading about it? No. I didn't read about it. I was just dig- digging in my brain and I saw the society and I just very much started to understand that something is really stinky here. That I was like, okay, Zen is actually, why did they be, the, people are going to army because of Zionism. People are doing some stuff. Okay, it's all about this land. It's about the ground. You know, it's earth. It's not even about the land. That's the truth. It's literally about identity and about power and about, you know. Sure. It could be any other land. Yes. It's true. Like, yes, I feel yes, like yes. this place is special, but it's basically been trashed with all of this ideology. Yes, sure. It's much deeper than this. But when when you speak about Zionism, the it's a lot about the ground that we are in. Why here, you know? Why here, not anywhere else? What, yeah, what, what is about this ground? And then you start with everything, you know? This, ah, and Jerusalem, and this. And we've, we've been here before. No, they've been here before. Who've been <laughs> here before? But the Zionism started to sound to me. I, I could not, like, I got another perspective on it. I can't remember when, but I just remember that I had this realization I, I had this wow, okay, Zionism, it's just bullshit. It's just this thing that the Israeli state made to make this factory of little Israeli babies that they have to go through this way of Zionism because if they don't go through this way and they get another education or they they learned about the holidays, different things, um they they're not gonna. Go to the army and be good Zionist, which means like a good Israeli that is serving the country and believing that they have to do everything for the country. So we're talking about all of this, and obviously people are asking themselves, so why do you still live here? Why do you live in a place that used to be a Palestinian village and now it's a Jewish town? You're literally living on stolen land. It's interesting when people like... I used to think, well, you know, the West Bank, that's, that's living on stolen land. But, you know, here in the 48 territories, it's legit. And the truth is, you were showing me this app right before we started recording. It's called iNakba. You, you're showing me this map. And there's all these little pinpoints of like all of the Palestinian towns that were erased from During the Nakba and then you can really you can press on um, a name of like a modern day Jewish town and it'll tell you what was there before 48 and it'll give you all the information it's amazing yeah it's just an amazing app and uh, I'm so happy that somebody did it um, and yeah you you cannot you cannot run away from it it doesn't matter where you're gonna live uh, you it's probably true. live on the On the, on the place that somebody lived there um, there was a Palestinian village or there was anything but I I really must say that 
I would feel bad and I will not live in a settlement that today is a settlement. But I can also see the place that I live today and I can say, hey, this is also a settlement. So yeah. it's like a never-ending ending story until you end it and, and you start to think about, okay, this is what happened in the past and I want to think about what are we going to do now. And just to understand that It doesn't matter where I'm going to be in this country. It's all polluted here with so much <laughs> hatred. It's, and it's also polluted like physically. Yeah, it's also polluted. Like physically, the yeah. water and the air and the earth are really polluted. Like, yeah, yeah. That's also part of this story. Um, and there is, there is a lot of blood everywhere. And this country, this ground, this earth is full of like this heavy energy that you can feel when you go, especially in Jerusalem and in different kinds of places that you go, Hebron, or it's, it's just so heavy there. You can feel the ground that it's been so many things there. So much thousands, um, pain. Thousands of years that... People are living here and doing things and wars and blood and everything. Yeah. So I can talk to myself and say, hey, you're living in this ground and you're living in that ground. This is not okay. Maybe here is not okay or, or where is it okay? So first of all, I'm, I'm telling myself that my existence is, is okay and I have the right to live and to be um, wherever. I didn't choose many many of things that is happening. Uh, but I can think about what is going to be now. How do I want to figure out and not be only in, in being blame of being Israeli Jewish privileged and white and think about like, yeah, I have all this and I enjoy it. I enjoy my privilege. But I also really, it's really important to me to know that, okay, Something is happening. <laughs> I want something to happen. What would you like to happen? For all of this pain to so stop. So many things. <laughs> um, I would like, first of all, I, I would like that people will know each other. I think this is the first step that must happen. Israelis must meet Palestinians. People must look behind the wall. To see the monster that is not a monster at all. All the people that are going through the wall and meeting the other, the other people from the other side of this weird wall. Um, Or the transparent walls here within 48 territory between yeah. us and Palestinians who are citizens of this country. There's also a lot of different barriers between us and them that are not a physical wall. Yeah. Sometimes it's even harder to break them because you can't see it. You can't blame a piece of concrete. It's much yeah. more challenging. Yeah, and it's also, you know, you speak now and I understand how complicated, like how, how many different layers there are in this story because there are these Palestinians who live inside Israel and they, most of them speak Hebrew and a lot of them speak fluent Hebrew. Some of them don't, don't even have an accent and some of them they do and you can say immediately, oh, this is, he's an Arab. We don't even use the word Palestinian many times. I really try to use it all the time and say Palestinian and not Arab. And also I want to tell you that 
many people, they don't really understand. That like, they're Palestinians. Yeah, yeah, they think, okay, maybe who are Palestinians? And I'm like trying to say all the people who live <laughs> here, they are Palestinians. They are, they've been, they, maybe if they choose to call this, themselves something else, of course, it's their choice. But all these Arabs that you talk about them, maybe they're Christian, maybe they're Muslim, maybe they're Bedouin, maybe, I don't know, there yeah. are different kinds of, of people here. Um, this mixture, they've been living in Palestine and most of them identified with the fact that they are Palestinians or they were Palestinians or they're confused who they are now. It's not right. And it's more than this. I, I want to say that it's like, it's also part of how to make people weak, how to take a nation and to make them so weak, how to take people and just to make their society fragmented and to, and to just, you know, take some people are here and then we put some people there and then we put, and we break the families and they cannot see each other. And we just, you just push them down and down and down and you make them so weak. That's yeah. what can they do? You know, this is also the, the Zionism project. And it's also, it also brings me back to what you asked me to, like, what do I think we should do? And I said that we, we should look at each other's eyes and to meet the people, to meet the people from here, from there. But when I say meet, like, really sit and talk for a second and see how, how many things in common you have and what beautiful people there are around. Like, wow, it's, it's so nice. And they have such a beautiful culture also. And they're so many kind people and welcoming and... Like, really, my experience from Palestinians, I'm just like, really, I can start to cry only to talk about this because this is so hard. It's like, how how can we do this to these beautiful people? Seriously, wow. like, yeah, I met families and, and people all around that's been through such a hard time. Yeah. Um. So, wow, I just really want people just to meet to meet before we're talking about any agreement. What agreement can you talk about? Before you, you just know the people around. Forget about the paper. Forget about like peace, like seriously, peace agreement. It, this word is like, what is it? What does it even mean these days? Seriously. If we still see these people as not humans, how are we going to sign a paper that says that we're not going to kill each other, you know, like... like what is this paper? <laughs> what does it really mean, like, when you when you don't meet the people around you and you have so much hate in your heart and you have... It's not even hate, you have so much fear and you don't know. So the, the, the prime ministers, these people... They will go and sign this paper and they it's will... It's so... It's such... It's all like... It's ridiculous. Seriously. Go yeah. make peace yourself. So after saying all of that, um, do you feel like you're Israeli? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, I think it's an important question. Do you feel like that means anything to you? Do you? I will share that you ask me this question and I feel, it, it, you catch me. It's a hard question for me because in many ways, yes, I'm Israeli. It's it's very complicated to answer these questions because I have so many things against the, the, the what Israel is doing, and if I could, I would boycott Israel. <laughs> but <laughs> but 
but from other side, no, I'm I, I'm part of this, and there are different parts, and I believe there will be a change. I hope I will see it when I'm alive. <laughs> um, do you have one last um, message to the human race that you would want the listeners to uh, listen to? For the human race, uh, relax. Just relax. Take it easy. And, uh, and don't forget to, to laugh about all this human thing and <laughs> what we are and who we are. It's much more easier and it's actually much more simple than we think it is. I would say, yeah. Thank you, Ramdas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he would say if he was here. So thank you so much. Rita, my thank dear, you. dear friend. Thank you, yeah. You're such a beautiful soul and I'm so happy that you're in my life and I'm happy that you're living here on this land with me and we are spreading this word. So much, really. Thank you. And that's the end of this episode. Thanks, Rita, for sharing your story. Thank you, Roi Geva, for the beautiful soundtrack. And thank you for listening. Thank you.